The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue examining the blowing of the fifth trumpet in Revelation chapter 9, we learn that there are demonic forces in this world. Indeed, there is a kingdom of Satan just like there is a kingdom of God. In this case, God allows some demonic spirits to be released from the bottomless pit to torment the wicked. But one of the most important points we can remember is that these evil spiritual forces can also afflict the people of God here in this time world. They can't affect our ultimate destination. Ultimately, God's people will be eternally saved and with him forever. But we may indeed experience troubles here and now. Join us today as we continue looking at the blowing of the fifth trumpet. and We see once again that This symbolic language reminds us of how we can be afflicted in this world, but that God ultimately superintends and overrules the wickedness of men. But first, we have a song selection that we hope you'll enjoy. And after that, please stay tuned for the message.
In the sixth chapter of Revelation, Jesus begins opening the book sealed with seven seals. As the first six seals of the book are open, we primarily read about his judgments on the wicked, resulting in deliverance for his children. When the last of the seven seals is open, we see seven angels standing before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. As the first four angels sound their trumpets, various natural disasters follow. Before the last three angels sound their trumpets, we read in Revelation 8.13, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpets of the three angels which are yet to sound. Last time we talked about the first of these last three angels. When this fifth angel sounded his trumpet, the bottomless pit was opened and locusts came out which were given power to hurt men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. They tormented these men for five months. In Revelation 9-6 we read, and in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Tonight we continue in chapter 9, beginning at verse 7. Here we have symbolic language which enables us to form a picture in our minds of the demonic influence of Satan in the spiritual realm. The kingdom of Satan, though not visible to the natural eye, is just as real as the kingdom of God, which is not visible to the natural eye. And I think that last sentence is important for us to remember. It's appropriate that we focus on the kingdom of God, but it's important that we realize that Satan has a kingdom in this world too. And in the same way the kingdom of God is invisible to the natural eye, in like manner the kingdom of Satan is invisible to the natural eye. And to just restate some of the verses that we've read before to establish this point, you remember in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 2, as Paul is describing our condition prior to being born again, he says in chapter 2, verse 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now notice prior to having spiritual life, or for those that do not have spiritual life and will never have spiritual life, that is those that are not the elect of God, 
They walk according to the prince of the power of the air. Now the word air there is just used to represent this invisible spiritual realm in the same way that you can't see the natural air. You can't see this demonic spiritual realm with a natural eye. And notice he says, prior to being born again, you walked according to the prince of the power of the air. And it says, this is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And I always like to emphasize, that's not referring to disobedient children. That's referring to the children of disobedience. That's referring to the offspring of Adam's disobedience who are not born of the Spirit. And we'll not turn to this, but you remember you can also look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, and you can get some more detail about the spiritual battle that we have as children of God. Now as we begin tonight in verse 7, you remember there was these locusts that were released out of the bottomless pent. And God suffered them to be released because they were going to torment wicked men, men that are not children of God. And always keep in mind that this is symbolic language meant for you to be able to picture a concept in your mind. So as we read, in beginning in verse 7, a detailed description of these locusts, and you try to think in your mind as to what they look like, just remember the purpose of that picture in your mind is to form an idea with regard to these demonic spirits. Now you remember we made the point that they were released in order to torment those that did not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And that's referring to those that are not the children of God, that are not born of the Spirit. Now, one of the things I've thought about in studying that particular concept it's easy to think, well, if you're a child of God and you obey the Lord, He'll bless you. And if you disobey the Lord, He'll chasten you. And it's easy to think, well, the wicked, if they serve Satan, this is kind of an oxymoron, but if they serve Satan, He'll bless them. And if they don't serve Him, uh, He won't bless them. You know, it's easy to think that way, but we learn here that Satan's name, as we'll see later on in this chapter, in Greek and Hebrew, both means destroyer. So he's not interested in quote-unquote blessing anyone. He's interested in doing damage in any way he can. You know, when you think about two men that cooperate to rob a bank, well, they'll cooperate as long as they're benefiting from one another, but once they rob the bank and get off on their own, one might kill the other to get all the money. Well, that's how Satan is. Uh, sometimes he'll 
work with the wicked, so to speak, but also he'll sometimes destroy them, as we noticed last time. So let's read about these locusts, and this gives us an idea of these demonic forces that, that come from the bottomless pit. And although the context here is about them tormenting men who have not the seal of God in their foreheads, I want us to consider the idea, which is a biblical concept, that these evil spirits can get involved in our lives. And especially we'll see how they get involved in false prophets. Uh, you know, John said, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, for many false prophets are gone out into the world. So in verse 7 he says, And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses, prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. Now notice this. They were like horses prepared unto battle. In that day, that was the best resource for a military force. To have forces and the weapons that were appropriate for those that were doing battle on horses. So the idea here is war and destruction. They were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. We just read that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. That concept of royalty is even included in the evil realm, not just the kingdom of God. But notice it says their faces were as the faces of men. Now I want us to consider that, and again I realize this is not the immediate context. But there are a lot of scriptures that talk about how the influences of Satan are in the lives of men, even professed preachers. The Bible says a lot about false prophets. And notice in the New Testament how they're described in uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 2. And verse 1, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, that is, in the past, in the Old Testament. Even as there shall be, that's in the present and in the future, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways the word pernicious there means their ruinous ways 
Notice it doesn't say a few will follow them. I heard an elder Ronald Lawrence preach a sermon one time where he contrasted how the word many and few is used in the Bible. Few is always associated with those that follow the Lord. Many is associated with those that are not following the Lord. And that's the idea that Jesus presented in Matthew 7 when he said, uh, Broad is the gate, and wide is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And he says, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, that should give us consolation regarding the church. You remember Jesus said, Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. But notice here he says in 2 Peter 2, verse 2, Many shall follow their pernicious ways. You know, in America, you think of some of the tele-evangelists that preach uh, Gospels that are obviously what Paul called in Galatians 1, another gospel. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you who would pervert, that means change or twist, the gospel of Christ. But interestingly, it seems that the ones that are most contrary to the scriptures are the ones that have the biggest following. One of the false prophets that I'm thinking about pastors maybe the biggest congregation in America. And the way that he appeals to people, appeals to children of God, is he uses self-esteem ideas, self-worth ideas, sprinkled with some scripture, and here's the result. You can be selfish, but think you're being a Christian. That'll get a lot of people, won't it? Because there's a, a multitude of children of God out there, and we know when they're born again, the law of God is written in their heart. They have that motivation to do right but like you and I they have a fallen nature that loves the things of this world and the pride of life and so if a man can quote unquote preach in such a way that he can make you feel like you're honoring God by focusing on yourself why well, you can appeal to both natures with that now a lot of people follow that because, what, they don't realize what they're being influenced by. That's what he's talking about here. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom, watch this, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. What does that mean? Now, some of you younger people won't remember this, but those that are my age and older, you remember Jim Baker of the PTL Club? 
You know, he, he fell not long after that Jimmy Swaggart fell. Well, not, not long after uh, Jim Baker fell, we were having some carpet installed in our house. And when the guys that laid the carpet got there, he found out I was a preacher. And he said, oh, you've got to be out there saving them souls, huh? And then he said, do you know a guy named Becker? You know a guy named Becker? And I said, no. He says, Jim Becker, Jim Baker. You see, he was mocking me as a minister because of a professed preacher that I'm in no way associated with. That's what this is saying. You see, if there are men out there deceiving the flock, men out there that are uh, taking advantage of people in one way or another, Many people in the world, they don't distinguish that from those preaching the truth. He says, as a result of this, the way of truth may be evil spoken of. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.